Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. I'm going to invite you now to go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, and I will read from verse 1, and I will end at verse 3. And Paul says here in the book of Ephesians, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of faith. Lord, we ask you now that as we open your word, that you will enlighten us, illuminate our hearts and our mind. We pray, O oh God, that today from this message, we will receive words of encouragement and hope. We pray, Lord, that you will now allow us to hear not my voice, but your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to speak in the subject today, formula for spiritual success. And uh, everybody wants to experience success in life. And there is always a formula for everything. In, in science, there are mathematical formulas. In chemistry and physics, there are formulas that you have to use to get to an intended outcome. And life also has its own formula. If you want something at the end, you have to work the formula so that it can bring you to where you want to go. It seemed very clear, and for various reasons, that we are living in a very difficult time. These days are very difficult days. Perhaps you here today are among the people who are feeling difficulties in very severe ways. I read some time ago in an operate response to the mood that prevailed today, there was an amusing imagery portrayed recently in a very popular magazine. 
pictured in a department store is a shopper standing in front of an active display of neatly packed pillars. The store clerk is pointing to the shelves as he says, no, these pillars are for screaming into. Then he further said, you will find our sleeping pillars not on the first floor, but on the second floor of the store. Of course, difficult days summoned in us a variety of emotional expressions. And while screaming into our pillars is far better than taking out our frustration on others, there is at least a way in which the merchant have provided a pillar that you can buy to scream in when you are faced with very difficult challenges in this life. And so the gospel in its dimension, the gospel in its teachings over and over again tells us that when life presses on us and we seem to reach a place where there is no exit, the Bible tells us very clearly that there is always a better way. And so I invite you today to put your faith and your trust in God's plan for living and you will be at least at your best. Your faith will bring you happiness. And I want, to, I want you to understand here that happiness does not come because there are no difficulties. Happiness does not come Merely because things are going good. Because there are many people who, who seem to have life going good and they're not happy. There are those who seem to be having all the problems in the world. And yet you can't know because they are happy. And so your faith will bring you even closer. To becoming the person God has created you to be. Indeed, it is your steadfast faith. What kind of faith did I say? It is your steadfast faith that can take you over on the other side. This steadfast faith will perform for you in the most difficult days and that you can 
have fulfillment. Now, in this text here that I read for you, when you read through the, the, the rest of the text or the, the passage that follows, we see here that Paul was a prisoner in Rome. Prisoner. And he was the prisoner of the Lord, in the Lord, and a prisoner for the Lord. Now, we have here the petition of a prisoner, a poor prisoner. One of Christ's prisoners. And he has a petition. Now, the petition begins in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or entreats you or begs you. It says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you or beseech you. Now, considering what God has done for you and to what the state or the estate that he has called you to, I now come with you, says Paul, with a request. So Paul is making a request here. He says, I beseech you. I entreat you. But what is the request? The request is not sent. It's not to send for him relief. Nor to use one's influence to obtain his liberty from prison. Now you would think that a man who is in prison, if he's writing to his friend, he would be asking them to try and work out a way for him to get out of prison. But instead, the request is this. Walk worthy of the vocation to wherewith ye are called. So here, although in a Roman prison, suffering from deprivation, and the inconvenience of freedom, Paul is not seeking to satisfy his own desire, but now he has a wider interest in mind. He has the mind of the Ephesian church in mind, and he has us here today in mind. Now, so he says here, Approve yourself. What it means here, when he says walk worthy of the vacation wherewith ye are called, he says here, approve yourself to be good Christians and live up to your profession and calling. That you walk worthily, agreeably, suitably, appropriately, Oh yes, congraciously and consistently. Forget not the happy circumstances into which the grace of God has brought you. That's what Paul is saying. Cherish deeply the fact 
that Christ has converted you from heathenism to Christianity. That's what he's saying to the church at Corinth. But what is he saying to us today? He's saying the same thing. Those of us who have embraced Jesus Christ, those of us who have expressed faith in him, there are so many things in this world to distract us, to dissuade us, and to lead us astray. So Paul is here saying that if you are going to make it, you must begin your walk with God. Walk worthy of the vacation. In other words, the call that Christ has given to us is such a gracious, noble, holy call that those of us who embrace this call, we must walk a certain way. And here, walking here is a figure of speech. It is used here to describe the way we will deport ourselves, the way we will live our lives, and the way we will behave in the environment. So, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul again speaking, he says here to the young preacher, Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved who work a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth is what it says now the christian life is a journey of faith what did i say the Christian life is a what? Journey of what? Faith. The one who saves us is now calling us to walk the life, the Christian life. But the interesting thing is that those of us who walk the Christian life, we do not walk alone. For we walk with Jesus. And so Paul here is saying that we must walk. And this walk is non-negotiable. And though snatched from spiritual death, we soon discover that the Christian life is not an arrival. It is an adventure. It is a journey. It is It is. It is, it is going on a long walk. Christ rescues us. And then he points us to the path on which we must travel. Now I must admit that this part is not an easy part. This road is not an easy road as we travel to the kingdom of God. It, it, it sometimes takes you into places where you didn't plan to go. The road gets rough 
and thorny. The upcline becomes steep and difficult. And even people that you think would encourage you, discourage you. I want you to understand today that the Christian walk is not an easy one. But it is always the best walk. The journey is not an easy journey, but it's the safest journey. Here Paul says here, having embraced the Christian gospel and knows that what it brings, he says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greeks. Now, as we embrace the Christian gospel, one of the first things that we receive from God is grace. Grace. And without grace, there is no hope for us. For once sin entered the world, all human beings, are condemned to die. But then Jesus Christ comes forward and he presents his grace. In other words, grace means second chance. What grace means? Second chance. Do you think you want a second chance today? We all need second chances. True grace in the heart must show Itself by true godliness in the life. If the grace of God that appears unto all men has appeared unto us, this grace must make a difference in our lives. And so we are called to, we are called not to conceal our belief. Or, or religion. Not to be ashamed of it. But to, to avoid. That which will allow us. To be ashamed of it. We must avow. In the glory of the gospel. Because it makes a difference. In human life. And there. Our lives. Would be. A disgrace. Without the grace of God. But. The grace of God has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodly lust and to live soberly in this present world. You know, I, I read a story some time ago about a man by the name of Augustine. Augustine became a Catholic monk. And uh, one day he was walking through the streets of London. And then he came to a very awful sight in the street. There was a man lying on the street where the slimy, sloppy, germy water runs out 
on the street. And there this man was drunk. He was lying in the water. And his mouth was filled with flies. And Augustine and his friend passed by. And when Augustine looked at the man, he looked over and he says, There lies Augustine. Weren't it not for the grace of Almighty God? You know, without the grace of God, many of us wouldn't be here tonight. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here. But I thank God for his grace. So, as you seek to live the Christian life, how can you be successful? How? What is it that you need to make you successful? What is the formula? The first one here that I want to present is to develop a lasting relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the first part of the formula. Relationship. Relationship. Now how do I develop a relationship with Jesus Christ? First of all. To develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all other things shall be added unto you. So to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ means that Jesus Christ must be first and foremost in your life. Amen. You know, there's a story in the scripture of a man who was a great farmer. His farm produced very well. And then he was so rich that the farm, the barn couldn't hold all. Is produced. So he decided that he was going to break down that barn and build other barns and build other barns. And then he would become rich. And as he did that, then the question is asked of him. After you have done all of that, what will you do? He said, oh, I, I will ask my soul to take the ease. And I will sleep and be merry. But then there's a follow part that says here that after that there is death that looms in the horizon. And then Jesus says here that a man's soul is not satisfied with the abundance of things. That he possesses. And so whether you have little. Or you have much. We all have the same basic need. For Jesus Christ. And so. To develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one. There are three spiritual disciplines. Number one. You must. Talk to God. We call that prayer. Prayer brings you into communion and relationship with God. And you don't have to pray a long prayer or many words. You don't have to go to theological school to learn how to pray or to university. Anybody can pray. Because prayer 
is talking to God as you are talking to your friend. And uh, as you talk with God, then you develop a relationship. The next thing to build your relationship with Jesus Christ is to make sure that you spend time just to read the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? Light unto my path. So the word of God enlightens us. The word of God teaches us. The word of God brings us into close relationship with Jesus Christ. So as you develop your relationship with Jesus Christ, number one, you are praying to him. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this presupposes that we have a father in heaven who is willing to listen and to hear. And finally, as you pray and read the word, if Jesus Christ has done anything for you, you and I have an obligation to tell others of the love of Jesus. So, the first formula is to develop a lasting relationship. Not a spasmodic relationship, but a lasting relationship. And you're going to do that. By prayer, by reading the word, and by sharing your faith. Then the next formula, part of the formula, is to develop a lasting love for the commandments of God. Now, you and I cannot live an obedient life unless we have a pattern to follow. And Jesus gives us this pattern here. In John chapter 14, 14 and 15 and 21, it says here, If you ask me anything in my name, and this brings me back to the prayer, I will do it. And verse 15, If you love me, if you watch church, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, it, the, John continues and says, Whoever has my commandment and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. God wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be obedient to his will. He wants us to be obedient to his ways. And he wants us to be obedient to his word. And so as we come in contact or in communication with God. There is a prescribed way for the journey live in obedience with Jesus Christ if you would be yes if you would make a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ then God will see you through 
Now I want you to understand here that when God asks us to do something, he himself comes back and enables us to do it. So he who makes the request becomes the enabler. And so you don't have to say, oh, I can't do this. I can't manage. I can't be doing it. You are not the one who is going to provide the strength to do it. God provides it. Yes. You know, if it were convenient for us to pick and choose which principle of the Bible we would follow, then we would find ourselves in, in, in very serious situations. Now, when I go to the supermarket, and when you go to the supermarket, and I don't know which one you go to, and you go to buy fruit, let us say you go to buy apples or plums, I'm sure that you go and you search through them and you make sure that the ones that you pick up are good ones. Am I right, Brother Robert? That's right. Because you don't want to pick up those that are not good. Am I right? No, you want. So you have a choice to pick the fruit that you want and to choose that you want. And uh, it is not so in obeying the word of God. Some you like and some you don't. And you take those that you like and you do those. And those that you don't like, you refuse them. It can't be like that. It can't be like that. So we must always be willing to do what God says. Thus said the Lord. And you have to follow what he said. And you can't say, well, you know... I would do it, but I'm not in the mood. This is no mood thing. No. This is no mood thing. This is obeying the word of God. And you can't say, well, you know, I'm not in the mood today. So I'm not going to do this one. But once you have developed a relationship with Jesus Christ, you want to do what he says. You know, one thing about God, you know, is that as we, as we choose to follow him, we, we slip up sometimes. And to the extent that we fall out sometimes. To the extent that we don't do all that he wants us to do sometimes. But you know what, what, I'm, what I'm very happy for? Is that God in his love still offers us the opportunity to go back to doing what is right. This is called forgiveness. What is it called? Forgiveness. And God is a God who Forgives. Yes. Forgiveness. And God, whenever the sinner, or whenever you, or whenever we all confess our sins to Jesus Christ, he doesn't say, I'm not in the mood today to forgive you. 
He's always in the mood. Come unto me. All ye that are labor and are heavy laden. And I will what? Give you rest. If you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And God is not there cleansing today and taking day off tomorrow. He's always there. So as you apply this, this formula to your, to your journey, you will be successful. Finally, final one is develop a trusting relationship with Jesus. What did I say? Develop a what? A trusting relationship with whom? With Jesus. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, the Bible says, Cast all your care upon him. And the next part says, For he careth for you. What he says? Cast all your what? Care upon him. Now another translation says, Cast all your anxiety upon him. And he, for he cares for you. He has the remedy for anxiety. What does he have? The remedy for anxiety. Now, anxiety is, becomes a part of our life sometimes. And I, in her book, uptight and in your face. A psychologist by the name of Nina Brown identifies the hallmark of those afflicted with the condition of being uptight in some serious ways. And this is what she says here. I read for you. She says, Anxious people say Worry excessively, even, well, she says, that's what she says. She says, anxious people worry excessively, even when there is nothing substantial in their world to produce worry. They fret over inconsequential matters, yes, fantasize possible danger to the self that demands their constant alert, alertness. Remain tense and, and edgy and expand considerable energy and effort and remaining safe they stay in a constant state of fearing, oh yes, abandonment and destruction. Jesus Christ wants us to move out of the fear mode. And sometimes we have reason to fear. But, you know, there are some people, they worry even when there is nothing to worry about. Yes. They worry 
for what they think might happen tomorrow. Yes. But when you have a trusting relationship with Jesus Christ, even when there is trouble, you go to bed and you sleep. Not all the time that happens. But you must reach a place in your life where you're willing to place it in the hand of God. As long as you do your part, leave the rest to God and he will take care of it. So here it is. That Jesus Christ wants us, first of all, to be saved in his kingdom. And what does he do? He provides a way. Salvation. So as he provides this way. He exposes us. Through his word. Through the preacher. Through nature. How we must live for him. So in the plan of salvation. God has you on his list. You are there. Your name is written down on God's list. And he provides the way out. How do I know that there's a way out for me? John 3.16, the most basic, compact, and fundamental text in the Bible. Most people know it. That is... That is a summary. John 3.16 is a summary of the entire Bible. And if you know this text. And you accept the love of Jesus Christ. Then that will go a far way. In taking care of a lot of our problems. What it says. Let's repeat it together. What it says. For God so what? That it what? That what? Should not what? But have what? Beautiful. So here we have the first two, the, the last two lines says that we should not perish but have everlasting life. The dark part of it is to be perished, to be lost, to be out of it. But then Jesus Christ wants us to have everlasting life. And how does he provide that life for us? He says, through his love, he gave his son. And Jesus Christ becomes our sacrifice and our surety. What he becomes? Our what? Sacrifice and our what? Surety. Why do you need a sacrifice? You need a sacrifice because you need someone to take this thing out of death for you. You need someone to die in your place. That is why it is called a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is Jesus Christ. And then, what is the end result? 
the end result is summed up in the two last words of this text. What's the end result? Everlasting what? Life. Everlasting life. Yes. You know, the word life comes from two words. One is bios and one is zoe. That's why you talk about biology, two life, animal and plant, biology, bios life. Then there is the zoe life, from which you get the word zoology from, which talk about animal life. But you know, when John uses the word life here, he doesn't use the word, he doesn't use the word bios. He uses the word zoe, zoe life. And in this context, the word zoe life here means not just the breath that is breathed into the animal that keeps it going, but it is a, a higher quality of life that human being cannot describe. It is a life outside of the realms and the perimeter of sin. It is a life that transforms us in such ways that we can live forever in the greatest grandeur and quality of existence. That is what it means. And it's not just life, but everlasting, meaning that it doesn't end. This glorious life, this happy life, this perpetual life that shines and, and outglows all human thought and experience. And this world is in a bad shape. And that is why Jesus Christ wants to give us eternal life. Everlasting life with all his riches. All his riches and his glory. So... I want to ask you today. If you have a choice to choose between temporary life and eternal life or everlasting life, which one would you choose? You know, we sing a song and the song Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But the most inspiring part of this song to me is the verse that says, When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining under the sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That is what describes everlasting life. In other words, that you are in the glory and the presence of God. There is no sin, nothing to malign you, no suffering, no death, no pain. And after you have spent 10,000 years, you have no less days to enjoy all of this than when you started the first 10,000 years. What would you give for that? What would you give for that? 
I wouldn't give anything for that. So I say, dear Jesus, help me to embrace you for coming with you is not just my sacrifice, but you are my surety, you guarantee that I can have eternal life and live forever and ever and ever. I want that. I want that. And some of us here today, we are not very well. We want that. We have pain in our knees. We have headaches sometimes. We have diabetes. We have blood pressure. We have all the itis that you can think about. Huh? Oh yeah. But I want to let you know that one of these days we are going to run and we will not be weary. We will walk and we will not faint. Because Jesus Christ will transform us. And there we'll have the happy privilege to live with him forever and ever. Let nothing rob you of this. Because whatever else you do without Jesus Christ does not worth anything. I trust today that all of us, by God's grace, will make sure that we apply the formula so that we can live for Jesus Christ here and go home when he comes. Is that your desire? You really desire that? Please stand with me. We're going to sing our closing song. When we walk with the Lord, with the light and the light of his word, you want to say, preacher, I really want to be saved in the kingdom of God. I have my struggles. I have my challenges. I have my difficulties. But I want you to pray for me today that God will help me to make it in his kingdom. Is there somebody like that today? You want to come down here? Don't be afraid to come. Is there somebody? Thank you very much. Is there somebody else? Join this gentleman here. Is there somebody else? You want to make it. You want Jesus to do the best for you. Alright, let us sing not a shadow can rise. Not a cloud in the sky. In times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Oh God, you are that solid rock. We do not want to build our lives on sifting sand or the waves of wind and strife. 
We want to build our lives on Jesus Christ, the solid rock. So today, O oh God, we want to please you in all that we do. We want to follow you. I pray for this congregation today. And I ask you, oh God, that each worshiper, before leaving the presence of this premises, will make a decision to say, oh God, I want you to take my life and let it be. I consecrate it now to you. I ask you, God, that as we go from this worship service, may we go now knowing that we can have victory in Jesus Christ. Bless each worshiper. And as we go, Lord, may your divine benediction be upon all of us and may your presence continue to sustain us. And may your love, O oh God, keep on keeping us. And we thank you for preparing a place for us. And we look forward, O oh God, when you come to go home to live with you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.